Hey there, I'm Erica. And I'm Chris. And this is New Perspectives, where we're going to take a new look at age-old problems so that we can be freed up to shine light and ignite change in a world that's really desperate for it. Today we're going to be taking a look at generosity. How can we be generous when it feels like we don't have anything to give? Sometimes there's, in, there's moments in our lives where our bank account is depleted, the bills are coming due, and it's zero, it feels like there is zero left for anything else. Um, there's those moments when our schedules are completely filled out and we don't have any time to offer to volunteer, to be a part of the organizations that we love, that we even know are making a difference. How at those moments can we still be generous when it feels like we don't have anything to give? I've lived those exact same moments this week. I feel like I love teachers and I appreciate them so much, but here at the end of the year, it's been teacher appreciation. And I, like, I love teachers. Please don't hear that I don't love them, but I feel kind of nickeled and dimed here at the end of the year. Like everywhere I look, there's more money to give to something. And our kids' schedule is just taking extra time. Um, and I literally feel sort of empty and like I have nothing else to give. The bank account is literally like stretched this month from all of the extra giving and extra things. And my time and my schedule and my life feel that way because everything extra is for something else. And I don't feel like I'm giving in any kind of way that I would say is generous because I, there's just zero joy in a lot of it right now. Um, and I, I, I have to believe I'm not the only person who who feels this way. What are some new ways we could look at being generous that might help people like me who just feel absolutely give out and empty? What are some new ways we might could look at, at this problem of I'm not generous enough? Yeah, I think one of the new ways that in my own life that I've had to, to look at being generous, and I wish someone would have told me probably 10 years ago, um, is I really do think it takes some real planning to mm. be generous. Um, Mm-hmm. It takes some real planning. I, for the, we've almost been married 11 years now, and for se- those first seven years, we were, uh, you know, that cute term that gets thrown around. We were Dink! dual income, <laughs> no kids. Um, and at that point, when you are dual, those are the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You can just pretty much do whatever you want, and I mean, to an extent, like it, that really is true. When you're dual income, no kids, at that point. Um, you want to go out to dinner, mm-hmm. you do it. You want to go on a trip, even if it's not like some sort of crazy international aspirational trip. Like it literally, like you just don't think about there it. There should a be extent. some new term like dunk or something, because now even dinner is like this dual. Like you have to pay for dinner and a babysitter now. Like uh-huh. everything is dual yeah. in a different way. <laughs> um, and so, like while we weren't like spending like crazy or like making crazy purchases. Um, there was definitely just a reality that we entered into the last four years now um, that's been very different. And I don't think we were, we weren't, we never hit like a crisis moment, but I don't know if we were fully prepared to what that would look like to actually have a family and to still be generous in the ways that we were, um, even in generous with ourselves. Uh, and so going back, I think I would have liked to have spent some more time, probably the two of us together, because I, I end up handling a lot of this because numbers and spreadsheets don't get you excited. Uh, especially at like eight o'clock at night. (laughs) And so uh, having some real uh, clear planning around how you are going to give and making that commitment early on, these are the things that we're going to give money to because we believe in it. And for Eric and I, you know, that is the church. So right off the top of our budget is our 10% tithe back to the church. 
Um, and That's then, so, thank you for saying that, because when you plan to have a family, you talk about what you think about, even before you're, you like have a child, like what school are they going to go to, what sports are they going to play, what family vacations are we going to take, we plan all of those things, but never ever in those conversations did you and I say, how are we going to teach our kids to be mm. generous, um, and, and we talk about volunteering or, or how do we give a, you know, how do we give of our time or those kinds of things. We think about that like afterwards, but we never say intentionally, how are we going to teach our children to be generous and how are we going to be committed as a family to be generous? Instead, what we talk about is school, extracurricular, like all of those things were, were the things I planned about to start with. I wasn't intentional mm. about planning how to be generous. So if I could go back and tell myself 10 years ago, like, be thinking about how to be an intentionally generous person every single day, because it's, it doesn't naturally happen. It's not going to naturally come up in conversation. The natural things are achieving school, accomplishment, like those kinds of things that we set our kids up to do or ourselves up to do. It's never like, how are we intentionally generous? Like mm -hmm. that, that was never a piece of the conversation for us. And we're pastors. Like we do this for a living. We help people think about how can I be generous and kind and compassionate um, and following the ways of Jesus. We do this for a living. And yet it, it was difficult for us to make that a piece of our conversation naturally. Yeah. I think the same thing applies for my time as well. Um, there are, I'm probably less disciplined with this as opposed to the money piece. Cause we've got like the giving just on auto draft and it just comes out. Um, but with my time, I feel like I've been most generous and most effective with using my time when I'm able to block it out in a similar manner as really it conceptually. Like if I'm going to give to a certain time, like go ahead and put it on the schedule knowing that I'm going to do this once a month. Um, even being generous with my family, setting that side apart, because it's so easy if I don't like block off these three hours mm -hmm. on this afternoon yeah. or on this Saturday, like nothing else is happening something else like somebody will call me or somebody will want to do something and I'll, I'll bump something else off the schedule even if it's in my mind but if it's on the calendar I won't. As your partner it's helpful um, to be able to support you in being generous also when, I, when I'm aware of that so if, if you've said I'm going to do I think about Chris coached JV football um, here at the local high, Plant High School um, he coached for a couple years the JV football team and I knew every afternoon from four to six, you were gonna be on the football field Monday through Thursday, and Thursday nights were game nights. I, and two things that I think this helps with planning is, we knew that for the fall, that's what you were gonna do. And so your spring was gonna look different than that. That would be a time that I could overinvest in some things that I am involved in with the community. But we, know, we knew that in the fall, that's what your time was gonna look like. And because it was set and you knew that's what what, where you had to be and because we were really intentional about that was what you were going to do to volunteer and serve in our community. I just feel like the intentionality that was around it helped us, helped you to invest in ways that were, that impacted you and the lives of people around you in a way. And it, it allowed me to recognize as your partner, like this is the way our family can be generous right now. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just really has to, there has to be some intentionality around that generosity. So if someone is sitting there today and was like, I've got no more money to give, I'm maxed out on everything, I feel like my time, I can't find more time. Like there's no, not a 25th hour in the day. What, what's, like, what's step one? Take a you? step back. Okay. Take a step back because 
Every time I've asked those questions, I've looked at my relationships, my financial giving, I've looked at my volunteering time, and every single time when I've looked at it, I've thought, look at all this I'm giving and I'm getting nothing back. Look at all this mm. that I'm doing and I'm getting nothing back. Look at all this I'm investing yeah. in this friendship and I'm getting nothing back. And if I'm really honest with you, in the thick of things, when I'm busy and in that cycle and I feel empty, I'm thinking, I, when I give, I want to get something back. And that's not true generosity. And you're never going to receive back what you're expecting when you enter yeah. into it in that way. Um, and so when I've taken a step back and I've said, I'm going to invest my time in this, and I do not care if I come home feeling empty. I think about um, when we first moved here, I helped plan birthday parties for kids who were in foster care. I never met the kid. I wasn't allowed to be at the birthday party, not because, just because of the way things worked. Like I, but I helped make sure the venue was rented for them. I made sure that there were some presents there for them. Like I did all of this sort of behind the scenes work. And I remember this moment of being like, I really want to be there and watch the joy on this kid's face after we've planned all of that. And, and I'm like, I, I've done all this work. Like, I don't understand why, like what's going to happen. And I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. And in that moment, I had to take a step back and realize it's not about you. Like that thinking like that made the birthday party about me and what I wanted from it. And that wasn't the point. It was about a kid who was 17 years old and never, ever had a birthday cake, getting a birthday cake. And it didn't matter if he smiled or not. Like what mattered in that moment was a 17 year old got his first birthday cake ever. And that can bring me joy now. And I just, I have to take a step back because it's so easy to get in this transactional way of living. And so my step one is take a step back and ask like, why are you giving? And like, how do I get myself out of this sort of transactional way of mm -hmm. living? I feel the same way in friendships and with my financial giving. It's not about you. Um, and when you make life less and less and less about you and what you need or want from it, I feel I have experienced more joy. Yeah. It's easier for me to be compassionate when I'm not expecting to get something back from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a few years ago, I uh, participated in a nonprofit leadership course. And one of the things that they talked about, um, you know, pulling data from literally the IRS. Um, and, you know, because the IRS knows, you know, how much people make and how much people actually give to nonprofits, because it's one of the things that you put down on there. They were cookies before there were cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so one of the things that really struck me was everyone thinks um, foundations and like high net worth individuals give a lot of money, which they do to a certain extent, but percentage-wise, based on income levels, the lowest income level, like, bracket that the IRS tracks actually gave the highest percentage, I think, kind of, like, or per capita. I don't know. I should have looked at the stat ahead of time, but, like, why I do you think something... Okay. I actually just read the stat. Yeah. In 2018, um, folks who were in the top income bracket gave 2.5% on average back. Um, it was 4.9% for folks in the lower income brackets. Gave 4.9% of their income back to charitable organizations, and it was 2.5% for folks in okay. the upper well. income. Why do I think that is? Um, the article actually said, <laughs> and I, I think it resonated with me because I find it true. There are two things that folks who are in lower income brackets know what it's like to live their lives in distress 
and they want to be able to support mm -hmm. folks who are living in, through something traumatic or living through distress. So they get value not from getting a better paycheck or having more money in their bank account. They literally experience more value in their lives when they surround people who are hurting with compassion and kindness. Um, that's where they put their value in their lives. Um, and I, I think it's harder sometimes when we get wrapped up in in you know how much money we're making and where it's going and all these conversations about the bottom line it we I tend me myself I tend to lose sight of how can I surround somebody who's going through a really traumatic or hard time with what it is they need like they were folks in the lower income bracket were way more generous with their time um, and their resources to be able to care for folks who are experiencing some kind of trauma or distress in their lives so what do you think all that means for folks that, that have resources, even if we don't feel like we have any? I, my gut level says there are two things. Okay. Thing number one is we have enough money to cover up our distress and traumas mm. um, so that we don't feel it and we don't experience it because humans are afraid of it. We don't know how to suffer. Um, we don't know how to experience sort of traumatic events and like really feel it um, because then we have to trust something bigger than us, ourselves for healing. Um, I, I, that's what folks who are experiencing addictions, which is this literal like numbing the pain in their lives, that's exactly what they're doing is avoiding suffering, avoiding trauma, avoiding those kinds of things and, and figuring out ways that they can heal it themselves. And at the end of the day, I, I think there's this sense to which you begin to learn like you can't heal yourself. You're never gonna be capable of healing yourself. Um, so I think number one is we look for healing. We can figure out ways to like sort of cover up the trauma or the wounds um, and not actually have to deal with them. And I think the second is I think there's just this cycle of life, this sort of hamster mm -hmm. wheel we get involved in where we don't take the step back and say, why am I doing things like this? Why do I feel empty? And instead it's like, get up, get the coffee, get, get a workout in, go to work, work really hard, come home, make sure your kids have what they need. Like you just get in this like literal like hamster wheel of life and it takes some effort to get off of it yeah. and look at your life and want to do some things different. Mm. And I think when you're not invested in making all the money you can and spending every single waking moment getting money, I, I feel like maybe, and this is a, this is a judgment, and I, I don't know if it's true, but I feel like maybe if you're in the lower income bracket, your time is a little more valuable and you want to spend it in ways that, that make a difference and that allow you to share some of the things that, that you feel like God's, your money's not the only gift God's given you. Yeah. God's given you a brain, a heart, hands, feet, like figure out how to use those. You have them for a reason. Yeah. I love that. Um, so... If someone wanted to give something today that doesn't cost anything, they wanted to be generous, what can they do? Be generous with kindness and compassion. All of us, even if you're empty, all of us have some little well of kindness and compassion. I think it's in sort of the church world, we would call it prevenient grace, this grace that goes before us, that's deeper than our emptiness, that's deeper than our brokenness, that's deeper than this hamster wheel of a life we found on there. There's this grace that literally like prevents us from when we fall off the hamster wheel from experiencing sort of this absolute total brokenness and distraughtness. Like there is some bit of God's grace and love that is prevenient and goes before us that's going to catch you. I, 
tap into that, trust it, and share it with somebody else. That, that, that peace in your mind or your heart right now that's like, I want that. I want to be able to give. I want to be compassionate. I want to be generous. It's real. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a real like, act of, of God, the divine God who loves us and has like infinite goodness and mercy and kindness to share with the world. It is that God at work in your heart right now saying, give something. Mm-hmm. You have something yeah. to give. Um, and because that God who's good, like created you with a deep goodness, created you with a deep goodness. Um, and I just, I, I, I want people to understand that, that you have goodness to offer to the world and offer that to somebody. You have an ear, a listening ear. Pick up the phone right now. Call somebody who you know have had a hard t- has had a hard week and say, I just want you to know I love you and care about you. Do you need to talk for 15 minutes? Just tell me what's going on in your life. Um, I think in a world where we're busy on that hamster wheel, Folks won't even know like what to do with that kind of mm-hmm. kindness and compassion. So what I'm going to do tonight in just a few minutes is I'm going to pick up the phone and call somebody who I know has had a hard week, and I'm just going to listen to what they have to say. I'm mm-hmm. just going to provide a, kind, a, a space of kindness and compassion, begin to cultivate that yeah. in my lives. And not because I'm going to get anything from it, but because that's, that's what God is like, literally like calling us to, creating a way for in the world right now. Yeah, I, when you were talking, I kind of began to imagine this, like, heart of generosity is almost like a candle, mm-hmm. um, and we want to see the world around us be generous. We want to be generous ourselves, um, but yet a single candle, like, can blow out so easily, mm-hmm. and so how, how do we then grow that flame that it really ignites the world we want to see? Um, Without catching everything on fire. Yeah, but, just, I, I mean, but, it, but it glows and, and gives yep. off enough light and enough warmth that it, it, it's, it can withstand, uh, you know, a repair bill on your car. It can withstand a bad day um, mm-hmm. and that kind of hope of generosity in the world. Yeah, I, I love that because I think recognizing, like, the one candle lights a room of mm-hmm. um, enough for the day and I think so often the way I approach it is like let's burn the house up like the whole the whole the whole block could be lit up like that's sort of how Uh I approach it sometimes and that's not what God's asked you to do so I think also recognizing you are one candle God has one thing for you to do and not to overdo it because that's where the emptiness comes from we've just overdone it for too long and so recognize sort of the one thing that you can do and eno- mm-hmm. have enough of a flame on that candle that just like you said, the car payment, the surprise teacher appreciation, get all those things don't leave us depleted and empty at the end of the day. And our, our candle is still burning mm-hmm. and offering some kind of light and goodness yeah. to the world. That's a good image, Chris. Yeah. Good job. I, I love every year at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Um, mm. And this is, I think, one of the, the joys that our pastor, mainly only the pastors get to see um, is whether you're standing at the front or sometimes I end up in the back of mm-hmm. the worship space on Christmas Eve. And when it goes from complete darkness, uh, so, you know, you start getting the flicker of the few candles until the yeah. whole room is lit. And it really, like, the whole room is like, it, it really feels like there is more light in those moments in the room than when all the lights were on before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that's the image of, that I want of generosity in people's life. I, I'm so glad you said that because this year for Christmas Eve, we were spread out in a huge sanctuary. People have masks on. And I remember being nervous about how we were going to pass the light and do it in a safe way. And no one questioned it. They got up and passed the, can- the flame of the candle anyway. 
um, and at the truest of who the church is, of who God's called us to be as followers of Jesus. Like, we, we can stay apart, we can do what it is to do our part, but at the end of the day, nothing scares us to pass mm. that generosity, pass mm. that kindness, pass that compassion, pass the light of yeah. Jesus on to a dark world who's desperate for it. And you don't have to... You don't have to burn the building down to make it happen. <laughs> like, just hold your candle uh -huh. and pass your little bit of a flame onto somebody else. And, mm. and together, we can light a dark and desperate world um, that needs it, for sure. Well, that is one awesome image, I think, to finish us up uh, today. And so thank you so much for joining us on New Perspectives. If you have enjoyed this, please, right now, click that like button, share it. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe so you can stay up to date on all things New Perspectives and Horizon. I love that we talked about the image of Christmas because I feel like that's a time when folks are extra generous. And so right now in May, June, the beginning of summer, figure out ways you can be generous. Light a candle tonight and think of one, one way that you can cultivate or create kindness and compassion and goodness in the world because step by step by step we will become more and more and more generous and the world needs some generous people for sure Absolutely. so we can't wait to see you soon thanks for tuning in um, and we look forward to seeing you next thursday